Welcome to the Rick Roberts School of Laughs podcast, where we aim to make you bigger, better, and more bookable. From the aspiring comedian to the part-time pro, this is the podcast for you. We'll talk all things comedy from the page to the stage, and now it's showtime. Welcome back to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here along with producer Gavin. How's it going, Hello. sir? Good. Thanks for coming to the headquarters Absolutely. of School of Last. We It's the middle of August as we record this. Oh, and God. to make Gavin feel comfortable, we've got the air conditioner up to 85 degrees right it's now. It's so hot. My, my brain <laughs> is frying. My car has no air conditioning right now. My life has no air conditioning. It's got to be other than the wheel. It's got to be like the number one invention of humankind. AC. Yeah. You know what? Never get comfortable, Gosh. Gavin. Never oh. get comfortable. Oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not by the way. <laughs> well, you know, this reminds me when I first started comedy, uh, the first apartment that I shared with other comedians, uh, they had the attic available. Yeah. And so I got the attic room, never added no. an air conditioning unit to it so that I never felt comfortable being home. It forced me to get on the road. Going to get out. Yeah. So even if it was just a two-hour drive to somewhere to, to go and do a show, I knew when I got back at midnight, a little bit the heat it got out of the building. Yeah. I so. want those like like when I was a little kid I remember going to Florida and you go in like one of the shopping malls there and it seemed to be freezing in those shopping malls and I was just that's what I need in my whole life. It's just my life to you have too, that. Air. You have too much humidity yeah. and not enough humility. That's oh, what yeah. you've got. <laughs> you need to change yeah. one letter I and know. you're going to be set. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um but yeah, man, it's been tough getting you to actually sit down here in front of a podcast for a minute. Uh, you've been doing so many gigs and traveling so much. Like, what have you been doing this recently? This has been a busy summer. Typically, I slow down a little bit in the summer. I do mostly events for corporations and yeah. companies. And they don't schedule a lot of stuff in June, July, and August because their employees are on vacation. Oh, right. And so typically it slows down a little bit, and I pick up a few different kinds of fundraisers and stuff. But this year has been an, ex- an exception to the rules. It's been Super extra busy. busy. Uh, I had a fun gig last week, and I play all the big cities. Yeah. Uh, Op Alabama <laughs> was where I was last week, and it's for a fundraiser for a hospital. It was a really nice, right. actual crowd. But I got to work with two ladies who were 83 years old. Oh, my. Uh, it was, uh, we had they, a di- they were comics. Well, they were piano players, the oh. Rainer Twins. Oh, no. Rainer Twins. Google it. You'll see a couple yeah. pictures of them when they were young. And middle, they had an album deal for a right. long time. They've performed for the Queen, Old Bones Records, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's two two older ladies are like eighty two, I think now, yeah. if I remember right. And they they go by one piano, four hands. Is oh. how they describe their act. Classic. So it was so funny. I, I heard them playing before my show, and they were just on the piano going crazy. And then I get up there and I get to see them, and yeah. they, they laughed at every single joke. And it was afterwards I got my picture with them. Right. And I'm going to post that to my personal Facebook page, Rick Roberts, if you want to look that up. And you can always friend me on there. Uh, the School of Last page is a great place to, to like, so you'll see yeah, some comedy-specific things. Maybe I'll just put it on there, just so you yeah. can see the caliber of people yeah. that I get to work with, people that perform for the Queen. But it was so sweet. <laughs> and uh, afterwards, like I said, I got to hang out with them a little bit. And it was just interesting to see somebody. They were sharp as could be. And I'm 46. They were 82. Yeah. And they were still performing for money. Now, as I was standing next to my little merchandise table and talking to them, a guy came up who, I don't know how old he was, but probably in his 60s, maybe 70s. And he said, excuse me, Rick, I need to talk to the Rainer Twins for a second. (laughs) I'm like, sure. He goes, Rainer Twins, 
I got married 56 years ago, oh my and you two played at my wedding. Oh, isn't that incredible? That's awesome. That's amazing. So I, what I took away from that night, besides how, how nice the people were in Op Alabama. Yeah. And if, if you've ever gone through Op Alabama, it's about two hours northwest of Panama City. Right. Down there in the southern tip, uh, they have the Rattlesnake Rodeo. Right. And the hospital, <laughs> probably because of the Rattlesnake Rodeo. Gosh. So it was it was interesting, but I really hope to be doing what I love to do. Uh, around people that I uh, enjoy being around when yeah. I'm 82. I can't even well, think that far ahead. And I think you, you're, you I mean, you teach this stuff, so you definitely have an eye for it. But, like, once you start performing and you're you're actually doing the work, when you see those kind of people that have done it for 60 years or, or 75 years, I don't know when they started. Yeah. I don't know the two Well, ladies. actually, I ask them how long they've been playing together, and they say, oh. we started when we were three, so for 79 years. Exactly. And they've been performing. They've been performing. They have a skill. They're selling it. They're doing really well. They're still doing well. They're still doing it. Yeah, and still, I mean, that is like, you just look at people like that, and you're like, holy cow, that is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, so many comics, or, or any performer, you know, has a couple years, uh, it's okay, and they have to get out because they can't do it. Right. And these people have, like, persevered. Through the Great Depression, through World they, War One and Two. Yeah. Through the stock market crash in 86 yeah, or whenever that was. Through the second Orberl, White Depression. And, uh, Wilbur Wright getting the airplane going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, through, uh, uh, I mean, just the history. Yeah. They've been out there doing it. So doing I was it. just so happy. I mean, it's other people would, would make fun of gig. a couple ladies like that. But that, those are my, those are the people that inspire me. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, that that is really cool when you, when you can see that. And when you see people have personal experiences with, you know, guys like that, that's great. Right. That's amazing. And the fact you can do it from Op Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that's where that's where they lived around the fact there. that alabama has anything i oh, think come is on now. <laughs> roll tide oh uh, yeah i don't know we'll oh get... gosh well anyway uh it's so yeah it's, it's great to sit down here it's been a little bit crazy and i appreciate you coming over yeah. here on a on an off day uh, we were going to get together yesterday and you agreed yeah. to it and then you called me right before listen, yesterday and said oh listen. i just found out it's my one year anniversary i <laughs> i reschedule i was so yeah, I'm an idiot, apparently. I've been told this. But I scheduled to do a podcast on my one-year uh, anniversary of being married, and I had a moment where all of a sudden I realized how much trouble I was going to be in. I told Gab, and I'm like, you, if we do the podcast tomorrow, that's the only thing you'll be able to do the rest of your entire yeah. life, because you won't have a wife to go back to. I so. decided it was better to hold it off just one day, and... Yeah, I, it was a smart decision. Uh, she got me a gift of a front door, which I then had to install in this 90-something degree weather. Now, did she show you the door, literally? Yeah, like, yeah this, this is the one you're going to be walking out of if you yeah, ever try to pull that podcast thing Absolutely. Again. Well, now it latches and locks really well. So there you <laughs> go. And make sure you make extra set of keys for yourself. Gosh, Because once she locks you out, buddy, it's hard to yeah. get back Yeah, oh, man. I've been married for uh, 13. 13, yeah. Uh, so I think that's right. Well, it's funny. The other day, I actually tell my wife, and she she gets she's aging beautifully. Like she looks prettier and prettier. Right. Literally, not like guys who we yeah. just kind of fall off the face. But I said, "Honey, you look better today than you, than you did 13 years ago. You're hotter now than you were 13 years ago." Yeah. She goes, "You've known me for 14." I said, "Yeah, but that first year, <laughs> whew, you were smoking. <laughs> we'll never get that back." But yeah. But anyway, hang in there, buddy. I Especially will. when you're doing comedy, you got to find somebody that's going to love what you do. I'm using it. I'm using it. I've learned though not to sort of run material past her. No, that is no. the one thing i have learned she and is a great woman she understands comedy she has a sense of humor she laughs but when i tell her that or when i tell her that whatever joke it is she goes 
oh, you can't say that. That's that's offensive to those people. Or that's this. And I'm like, well, no, it's a joke. It works like that. And then, no, don't do it. Right. Just, just skip all just that. Just skip it. Tell somebody else. Tell the person at the uh, the grocery store the joke. Don't, right. don't tell her. Well, if she supports you, uh, that's awesome. And I've been at, like I say, with for a while, and she's been with me for quite a while on that journey. So uh, always go out of your way to ask her, is there anything I'm missing out on when I'm gone that you want me to pick up and yeah. get back so that you don't, never get into the situation where you're not playing with the, the full house anymore? Yeah. You don't want to be in your own little basement of the house you used World, to, yeah. to pay for. Anyway, but thanks for coming here on the day after today. Yeah. we're gonna the, the questions have been piling up. You guys are definitely yeah. on board, and I love seeing these things come questions. in through Facebook and from uh, schooloflast at gmail.com. Send in your questions. We've got several here today. I'm going to go through them and give you some honest feedback from my perspective. Every comics is different, but I'll give it to you the way I see it. Uh, we have a question from Bob down in San Antonio who said, If you had to do it all over again, what three things would you do differently? Ooh, a regret question or a planning question? Well, like a- <laughs> we can look at it. I'm just going to look at these as they come in. And I think now I've been doing it for 23 years. If I had to do it all over again, what three things? You would have do done it in two years. <laughs> one, Yeah. One thing I would have done, I'll give you from a few different angles. As far as performing comedy, I would have experimented a lot more when I was in the middle or feature spot at comedy clubs uh-huh. than I did. That Why? is such, well. It's such an. Here's what happens uh, when you when you first get in. You're the MC or opener, and you get your 15 minutes, and you're aspiring to get to that middle spot. Right. In the middle spot, you're aspiring to get to the headlining spot. But when you're in the middle spot, the crowd is properly warmed up. Right. Usually, the servers hardly are out on the floor at all because everybody's got their first round of drinks or whatever, okay. or their their food. And this is in the comedy club setting, of course. Yeah. And then the headliner has to follow the opener plus close the show out while people are looking at their checks and realizing that this is, yeah. was an expensive evening, right? So in that middle spot, you have the crowd's full attention. attention. Right. That's the only time, really, that you'll ever have that in a comedy club. Because as a headliner, they're distracted by the checks. Right. The opening act, they're distracted by getting their first round of drinks or food ordered. Yeah. In the middle spot, when you're moving through the process, take that opportunity to start strong and end strong in your set. If you have a 30-minute stretch, First 10 minutes, great. Last 10 minutes, best you got. But in that middle 10, keep experimenting and developing new comedy. Right. Because, Be- because you're because you're sort of in the perfect position. They call it the hammock. Okay. You've got somebody supporting both sides of the okay. show. You're swinging in the middle in the breeze. That's great. Having your little umbrella drink. Yeah. No pressure on the middle act. Right. And because of that, a lot of... A lot of patrons of the clubs would walk out of the show, go, "Man, that middle act was the best one of the night." Right. That's the only time no they got pressure. to focus the whole yeah. time, yeah. and the crowd was warmed up. So, in that middle spot, I would have, should have done more material, more often, and built up a big, big backlog of material. Sure. So, and I did get moved into the headlining spot. Yeah. But I had a really excellent thirty minutes, and then I had to grow that extra fifteen to tag it to have my forty-five minute set. Right. And you had to come up with the closer to get the audience and all that. All so, those things. Very so different. If you get to the spot where you're featuring, one thing I wish I'd have done differently is go back and put new material in there more often so that I would have had a ton to pull from yeah. when I moved into the headlining spot. So that's that's the first thing. Second thing, let's move out of the club and just financially. Sure. Financially, I've always been fairly good at setting aside money, but I think I would have not done some of the road gigs that I did just for the money because sometimes it would set my comedy back a year or two doing some of these one-nighters and some of the gigs that I took just to fill uh, up how, the calendar. What do you mean? Why, why would it set it? How would it set doing a gig set it back? Well, in a previous podcast, we talked about staying true to yourself and your comedy. Uh, yeah. All right? And that was working smart, I think, when yeah. we were talking about that. And so 
sometimes you have to save yourself on stage. And if, if, if I was doing an hour in a bar at 10 o'clock at night, uh-huh. it usually wasn't the material that I wanted to focus on long term. Right. So I was You're just trying to get by, you mean. Right. Yeah. And so honestly, I was going back to what I had called my open mic material, oh. which I eventually got past. Yeah. But that's what that kind of crowd wanted. Yeah. So even though it was a you know, few hundred bucks for that week or whatever, and I, and I was still working, I wasn't working towards the right goal. Right. So And it didn't happen a ton, but I could have easily pulled out three or four of those weeks each year and still been fine financially sure. and spent that down week to retool my act for when I hit the club or the, the venue that I wanted to perform yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. So that would be a second thing that I wish I would have done differently that I know now. And thirdly, hmm, three things. Here's one thing. It's, it seems kind of trivial. But now that I'm this long into it, 23 years, I would right. have loved to have taken a picture with every comic that I worked hmm. with or at least every well-known comic that I right. worked with. I was ne- I never – I have maybe five pictures of famous comics that I worked with, even though I probably worked the, over 100. Sure. Just because I never felt like bothering them for the picture. Right. Even though they took a picture with everybody in the crowd that they didn't even know. And, and it's a lot easier nowadays, too, that you can do that with phones and stuff. Right. You know? But I would love to have – It's harder to do that in your era with the telegraph or a carrier pigeon. Well, or, I had to get the guy to come yeah. in with the charcoal and, and get – he had to <laughs> bring the cave – the wall of the cave yeah. in to take yeah. a picture. So, I mean, that's how long ago I was doing it. But to have those now would be so great, just, yeah. if not just from the memories, to go back and – I probably worked with 12 or 15 cast members of Saturday Night Live. It's one of the only things you also have as sort of a, a resume well, in a of, certain way. You yeah. know, I mean, you can you can look on the wall and go, yeah, I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'd known I'd ever have an office space like this, that'd be cool yeah. to have a wall full of me hanging out. Yeah. And the ones that I do have, you know – uh, you know, I got me help and, you out on the down day. Well, it's just funny. I got me and yeah. Danny Bonaducci, <laughs> and then me and Bobcat, and you know, oh, he, oh, it was gosh. a Polaroid. Yeah, <laughs> pretty old. Yeah, and he wrote on it after the the guy printed it out that ran the club. He printed a Rick, thanks for not sucking, Bobcat. Oh gosh, you know, so that's that's funny to me. Yeah, oh man. But I I would have if I could go back in time. That sounds. Great. I would have hey, hey, would you mind just taking a picture with me because I really yeah. enjoyed. You know, I got to work with some comics and some people that were really really fun and some of them aren't here anymore. They were probably wondering why you didn't ask. Well, that's funny. You know, with the Danny Bonaducci one, we were at Vernon Hills in Chicago and he uh-huh. had just taken a picture with everybody and we were both just getting paid in the back in the kitchen. And he walked by me. He's like, but you don't like me or what? I'm like, what? He goes, you didn't ask me to get it. He said, everybody wants a picture with Danny Partridge. Right. I said, well, let's get one. And yeah. I'm glad we did. You know, yeah. But it's just one of those things that if I could go back now, I definitely would do that. So those are the three things I would do over again if I had a chance. Absolutely. Yeah, that is, uh, that's, that's a good, good, good list. Another question that came in, what questions should people ask that they never ask? And by that, I assume you mean comics asking other comics for advice or comics asking me on this show uh, in general and in business and life here's the one question i want everybody to ask more what can i do for somebody that's not at my level yet yeah okay a lot of times we're thinking about how can i get ahead how can i use this comic and their experience to move on how can they leapfrog me over but what can I give to them or even to some comic that's newer or yeah. if you want to say lower on the totem pole than you are? I would ask everybody each week to find somebody that they can do something for. Yeah. No strings attached and just let that play out. Sure. Find an honest something. Some, somebody, maybe you see them at these open mics, you're like, they've got something. But, man, if I just told them that they could change this one word, it would really make – look for those little opportunities to help somebody yeah. else out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say ask yourself that. And lots of great things will happen from that. Yeah, I I, I totally know that when when uh, we did the sort of graduation show for the class, uh, for the performance class at Zany's uh, in Nashville, 
you know, I came off stage and there were maybe what, three or four comics, like pro comics in the green room and hanging around and stuff. And they totally could have, uh, you know, not said anything to me or whatever, but they gave little bits of advice and it was so good. And like, I thought they don't, they don't get anything from me, you know, mm-hmm. maybe later I'll, I'll have something we can do, you know, but, uh, that was really, it was like, gosh, now I want to help them out. Like, I don't, right. I don't know how, I don't know how, but it's in there. Like it's in my head that maybe I can help that guy out someday. Exactly. Be you know? generous, be generous with whatever you have to give somebody else, yeah. give it to them. Yeah. If not, you're being greedy. Yeah. And you're coming well, from it's a place. Counterproductive. It's counterproductive to your own goals. Sure. You, you know, that's the thing, you know. Share it, what you know. Yeah. I mean, you can only go up helping other people. Well, you that's know? the thing. Sometimes, especially if you're, if you and ten other people started the same day, you're just trying to see where you are with those ten people. Yeah. But why not bring everybody along at the same time if you've totally. got something to, to offer? Yeah. You know, if you're not, if you're being greedy with that, you're coming from a place of scarcity instead of abundance. Yeah. And think of yourself as a comic or an aspiring comedian or a speaker with abundance of knowledge. Whatever you've learned, share that. All boats rise. I'll give you a perfect example that you're sitting at currently when i took the writing class you asked you said i've been thinking about starting a podcast with people does anybody know anything about that and i had done one in the past a small one and i said ah, you know exactly. hey I, I know how to do one do you want to you know i can get together and we can do one you know you see how let's we'll see what it's like you know learn how to do it mm-hmm. and you know i'm not I hadn't even done a single minute up on stage, That's true. and I'm looking at a guy who's done it for what was it, 20 million 20, years? 23. <laughs> 23 years. The year of our Lord started yeah. in 1990. <laughs> and and it was like, and you were like, yeah, because if you're willing to help me, then I'll take that help. And and I was thinking, yeah, I'm willing to help you because I want to get time with you that no, you know more than I do. You can help me, not not in some kind of way like you're going to give me gigs or whatever, but the the advice and the the knowledge and stuff and so i was like yeah i'll do my part i'll bring the equipment i'll show you how to do this stuff you know how to work the computer all that those kind of things and then i get to have time learning the skill from you here and and it was like and that's a perfect example of it i mean because had i just sat there and gone like oh boy he's gonna have trouble starting a podcast like oh my lord you know (laughs) like good luck buddy it's hard you know enjoy right that would have been it. Yeah. There would have been no more, you know, for me. I would have not, I wouldn't have been learning anything or doing anything. No. Right. Well, true. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, when you volunteered that, I mean, it was a no brainer for me. Cause yeah. I, I probably couldn't do this. I know I couldn't do this podcast without it, your help. It, and we do get to hang out and I'm still learning about, you know, when you, when you ask me questions or, yeah. or, or ask me to be more defined, it, it helps me clarify where I'm going from here. Right. So it's, it's been mutually beneficial. And those are things you can look for. Uh, when you're starting out there, how can you help somebody yes. that's in a different place than you are? Yep. And just get there. Get there together. You know, there's it's much more fun when you have a group around you moving yeah. forward than you always being by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's something. Uh, and here's another question, too, while we're talking about questions you can ask that people forget to ask. And you have to be prepared for the answers. But anytime, if you're in a club, if you're doing a show at a church, if you're doing a show at a bar, whatever right. it is, ask the person in charge afterwards, hey, what would you think of the show? In general, what can we do better as putting on this show? Right. And what can I do better in my own act? Okay. I used to be afraid to ask that, or never, never even really occurred to me for a long time. Right. When I was working clubs, I figured if they Probably pay at me. First you're, if you're, at first, you're afraid to ask because at first you're thinking they're going to go, well, just be funny. Well, or, honestly, or, when you first start, you think you, you know it all. You, right. I didn't think 
to even yeah. ask because right. I'm hey I'm, I'm I got the last I'm doing my job yeah but finally just one night it occurred to me I should just ask this club owner who's paying me and booking me to come sure. back you know what can I do better that I, I'm just not doing you yeah because I'm too close to it so ask whoever's putting on the show what they thought of your act um, and they may you know topics whatever that's not what I'm asking ask them what they thought you could do better professionally what what their expectations were and did you meet them right and if not what what can close that gap what what was something like they might have said like bring more people or well you know, it, you know here's here's one thing i would have never thought of yeah all right so i asked this one lady um she ran a club i said what's one of the things i could do better she goes man you got a lot of potty jokes i'm like what, what? i'm like the cleanest <laughs> guy in the world i had done a, like two jokes about my daughter having a diaper you know changing right. diapers yeah but it never occurred to me. To me, it's just a life experience. This thing. is disgusting, Rick. It's too much for me. Well, she's right like, <laughs> you're up there. They're eating. You're talking about changing yeah. diapers. None of it had to do with the actual stuff in the diaper, but right. it's just the name, you know. But it was like it got me a perspective that I wouldn't have had before. Yeah. So all and I did was move. I, I moved that joke back later and just did one instead of here's three diaper jokes. I mean, nobody right. needs to hear three diaper yeah. jokes anyway. Um, another time, I asked what could I do differently, and the. Um, the manager said you're asking too many questions when you're on stage be you do your comedy and stop asking the crowd so many questions yeah well i remember one of the i can't remember what comic it was uh that actually said that he said why would you ever ask the audience a question don't ever do that yeah it's just dead time it's yeah. buying time it's it, you're trying to proof the joke before you tell it yeah just tell it if they don't laugh it's not funny and move on don't ask for their permission <laughs> so those are a couple of things that i got specific feedback yeah. And now when I do Super these corporate helpful. events, um, I follow up. As soon as I get home, there's a thank you note that goes out. And then a few days later, I send an email asking what, what their, were their expectations met. Yep. And I do a pre-questionnaire, a pre-event questionnaire to find out what their expectations are. Yeah. See if they're met. And if they are, would you mind writing a letter of recommendation? Right. And if not, what could I have done differently? Yeah. So that your expectations be met better. Yeah. And so it's con- these are the people you can't pay them enough for the kind of feedback, and they're going to give it to you for free if you just ask. And and I think that that probably speaks to something a lot of people don't think of, is that a lot of the clubs and a lot of the businesses are ongoing relationships. It, you are not showing up one time and then moving on and never coming back. Right. That is that professionalism. It's going to be there the first time you do it, the second time you do that. You know that that is such a it's a strange thing that we kind of skip over sometimes you're going back like Mm -hmm. if you do a good job you're gonna get asked back and like you should be professional enough to know how to run that you know and asking those questions and stuff that gets you there yeah and, and let me tell you what the hardest thing is getting the gig the first time the easiest is getting the second time if you ask the right questions yeah but to spend all your energy trying to book a new you know, especially say in my corporate event field where I'm at now, if I can get an ongoing relationship with somebody yep. and do a show every two years for them, then that's going to build and it's going to save me time mm-hmm. from having to find a new person to fill those ten different shows in yep. the next ten years. And all the coordinators and the the corporate guys, they, you know, they move from one company to another. Sure. So your name's still at one other company while that person's moved on to a different one. And I've worked like, hey, for the same lady at three different companies before. Exactly. She yes. just keeps moving on up and she's like, hey, yeah. Rick helped me the last time. Yeah. Come on, you know. So it, it's a, it's a cool thing. That's really cool. So always ask for some honest feedback and don't interrupt the person when they're giving the feedback. Listen to it and take it. Apply yeah. it. You That's know? one of the things in the performance class. Stop interrupting class. my feedback. No, Kevin. <laughs> Seriously. That's one of the things in that in that performance class that's the most amazing because you do uh, you come up with three minutes, you do it on stage, and then you sit down on the side of the stage and you be very quiet 
and then you just go you go around the classroom and everyone says their thing you don't get to answer back you don't get to say oh here's why i did that or here's you know what i was thinking or oh i missed that or this would have been funnier the other person tells you here's what you did here's what i saw here's what i didn't like here's what i liked and it listening to that feedback and not being able to pre-qualify it or adjust it or change Mm -hmm. it oh it's it's tough it's tough but it is the best thing in the world when I mean, I had one person say it was, it, let's just call it out, it was you, said <laughs> that I was, um, that I held the microphone too tight. And you were strangling that thing. I was strangling the life out of it because I was nervous. And that shows to the crowd, and it right? it showed to the crowd, you know? And so then I was like, oh my gosh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I look like a lurch on stage. Maybe I, I'm like, I should, I'm too tall for this. I should be short with a big head. Or, or like, <laughs> I don't know. And, and then all of a sudden, then somebody else who was, uh, who was another person at the thing, he said, you know what, you look, uh, and I didn't get to say anything, mm-hmm. so it just went from you, yep. and I was in my own head thinking about that, and went to the next person, and he said, you know, you looked really good on stage. You look like a comic on stage, so all you got to do is actually be funny right. uh, up on stage, and then you got it. But but I was like, oh, well, they, that really yeah. helped. And, and you know, I didn't get to say anything, but he, but that advice, that listening to them, what they're saying, just and take it in. They don't have to be right or wrong, but just take it in and then deal with it. That's right. Process it. Some of it sometimes is a little bit off. Some, yeah. Some of it's dead on. But if you don't hear it, you'll never know. You'll never have some things to think about. Yeah. And I think you'll know. I think you know when it's right. Yeah. When you know when they're right and and when they're wrong. Right. I definitely knew because my hand was tired from holding that microphone. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun process, yeah. and it's it's definitely tough for people who want to talk for a living to, to not talk for ten, you know ten minutes and just listen. Especially yeah. comedy, so personal. You have and this you have to separate the constructive criticism on the jokes you wrote from the person you are. Yes. They're two totally different things. Even though they're connected to who you are, we're talking about an extension of who you are, not yeah. not your soul. Yeah. These are just things that came out of your mind. We can tweak them and make them more clear, funnier, all those things. Yep. Cool. All right, next question we have here. Who are or were my mentors? Wow. And you know what? This is a great question because I don't really have any. <laughs> and we talked a few seconds ago about what what would be something that I would have changed, you know, one of the three things I would have changed. Yeah. Maybe earlier in my career, I would have kind of grabbed a couple of people and said, listen, buddy, I need some guidance here. You've been there before. Right. I by my own fault do things kind of the hard way and you know one thing i never did even when i was coming up and it's it's very common is to ask headliners to bring you on the road with them right i see a lot of comics really make big strides by having somebody grab them and but they're asking usually the headliner sometimes the headliner will ask hey i've seen you're doing great come on with me but other times i've seen him point blank ask him in the green room after the show hey I see you're in Cleveland next week. Can you take right. me with you to Cleveland? Yeah. And that's a great way to get new experiences. And I never did that to anybody. I kind of felt like, yeah, they'll, they'll ask me if they want me to go. And some guys did, but I right. never like said, you know, it's called coattailing, if you uh-huh. want to just break it down. Yeah. And it's not a bad technique, but it just wasn't in my makeup to say, hey, can I, why don't you take me with you? We'll right. be a perfect match. Sure. I'll, I'll drive you. I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll do everything and, you need. And that's the thing to offer. Yeah. You know, so I definitely, figure out what you can offer. I wish I kind of had, like, there's nobody, I have guys that are kind of my peers that I check in mm-hmm. with, just to say, hey, how's your year going? I've got two right. or three really good buddies here in Nashville, we'll, we'll call each other up, and it's funny, we never all have the same kind of year. When I'm having a great year, other guys are like, it's my down year. Yeah. And then when my year's maybe not where I want it to be, he's killing it. Yeah. And so it's good to kind of bounce things off and, and, and check trends and those yeah. kinds of things. But, man, it, 
I don't really have a mentor. I wish I did. Um, I listen, you know, my mentor process now is listening to a bunch of different podcasts. Outside of the field. Outside of the field, just yeah. for the business side of it. And uh, two associations that help feed my mind are the uh, Christian Comedy Association uh-huh. and the National Speakers Association. Yes, yeah. Uh, I go to those and listen to some thought leaders, if you whether yeah. you like that term or not. I don't like it, but people that are really asking questions that make you think about what you're doing. Sure. And each year at those different conferences, I really learn some new things yeah. and apply it. So uh, Sometimes I, uh, this has been a, a bit of a process for me, but I sort of found through my own listening of you know to podcasts and things like that that watching funny shows or listening to sort of comedy and entertainment based podcasts aren't really helping me be funnier or or know anything more about what i'm doing now maybe if they're interviewing a comedian and you hear some tiny little tidbit yeah, about yeah. that um but it's interesting because like as much funny stuff as you listen to it's not really helping I don't feel like it's helping me at all. You know, I has sort of had to change the things that I was listening to a little bit, uh-huh. or or even maybe better. And this really helped after the class because the class helped me be able to identify what I was listening to and break it down. And then I could listen to the entertainment things and hear like, okay, he's setting this guy up. Right. And now I hear, okay, the guy followed through on the punchline, and then here's the two tags. He did two tags. He's he's doing a little pause, and there's the third tag. It's a callback, right. and so he's good. Can, like, and it's yeah. between the goalposts, like, you know. And so now I can sort of hear those things and go, okay, so uh, I can break it down, and I can then yeah, see the holes in, in my things that I'm like, gosh, I left that on, I left possibly three tags on the table uh, that I didn't use that I could have used. Yeah. Um, you know that that's some one of the things I've found. It is some somewhat hard to. Most artists don't have mentors normally. They have some teachers teach technique and things like that. But mentoring is a very different thing. It is. It's um, and I got an email from a guy recently who wanted to kind of tag along on my speaking stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, kind of define what you want, and I'll see if I can do that. Right. But unfortunately, most of my stuff's out of town, so like I can't fly people around and just yeah. hang out. Come on, Rick. But you know, whenever I'm in town, I'm <laughs> let, give them a heads up. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting question. I think you should try to find some mentors, and, and even if it's in a different field, like you say, you can learn a lot from the approach that different people take. So those are some questions we got in this week. Let's wrap yeah. it up with one Absolutely. last one. Uh, how often do I rehearse new material? Virtually, what is yeah rehearse? Well, I think by that, the question, I think it's the an question interesting is, question. How often yeah. do you put in new material into your show? Yeah. So here's the reality for me: uh, out of 52 weeks a year, I may only hit four or five nights that are open mic kind of situations. Yeah. Where I can just go in there and try a big chunk out at a time. The other weeks, I'm you know I'm doing over 115, 120 events a year. I'm putting in new material as it comes in. Right. And where I see the fit for it. Yeah. The tricky part now in my mind is they're paying full price for my full show, so I want to give them the best I have. Sure. But I find places to, to I call it wrinkling in, wrinkling in new lines, new jokes, new tags. Right. And trying to push jokes further and then eventually pushing old jokes out and replacing. I never replace the entire hour. Yeah. I replace different five minute chunks here and here, and over the course of a few years, it it's changes blended, over. Sort of blended into, yeah. Yeah. But there's things that. 
people, when they see the video, they want that bit in the show, so I'm going to do that bit. Yeah. I, that's one thing I always ask. You book me off of this video. Are there any jokes in that set you want me to do for sure, just so I know? Because yeah. I've done shows where I didn't do a certain thing, and afterwards, like, oh, you didn't do the Barney Five thing. Uh, and I'm you're like, like oh, just, what? Well, tell me. So now yeah. I just ask him. I yeah. Ask him, what I did you? the new Gingrich, you know, right. bit. Like, right. it's like, yeah, not, not quite as good, man. Right. <laughs> um, so one thing, I'll say that one, uh, I know rehearse rehearse seems like a strange question but i'm a musician so rehearse to me comes from you want to learn something you go practice that thing until it's flawless and that might mean 1200 times and you just keep doing it until it's correct and then when you are called upon to do that thing then you can do it artfully as opposed to learning it on stage in front of people. And one of the techniques, I remember you saying this in the, uh, I think it was either in the performance class or the writing class. I can't, it must have been the performance class. But you said uh, one way to, to sort of help your distraction uh, levels when you're speaking in in the club. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Doing the set. And I absolutely did this. I probably looked like an insane person, but, you know, I mean, I was listening to turn on the radio or turn on a song your iPod, your, uh, you know, record player, whatever you got, (laughs) 8-track, turn that up, turn the volume up to where it's sort of annoying, and then try to do your set with it going on at the same time. So you're, you know, don't stop believing. (laughs) And then you're, you know, hey, ladies and gentlemen, and then it's, it's, the music is fighting you. You're trying to remember the next line. You're trying to remember your timing. And I'll tell you, it works so well because there's little distractions. There's somebody stands up in the back of the room right as your brain starts to kick into to your punchline or something. And and having that sort of dead cold rehearsed mm-hmm. helped so much. And so like if I if I could give a piece of advice, that would be it. It's just if you're just if you're driving along, turn your radio on and try to do the the first thirty seconds of your routine because that's probably going to be the loudest part when people are talking and Mm -hmm. and getting into your set so that was something that really it really affected me and it was i was able to practice it without being in front of an audience at home or in the car or whatever right but that super helpful yeah definitely once you get your set together turn on the tv and the radio yeah stare out the window and do your set all at the same time if you're juggling all that and you're and you're hitting all your punch lines Nothing is going to distract you in a class. Yeah. So that's one way you can re- rehearse. Yeah, it was great. That was a great little technique. Yeah, you know? I'd forgotten about that. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. So those are a few great questions you yeah. guys emailed in. I hope Very somebody uh, took a few things away from this episode and you maybe heard a question that you wanted to ask. If you didn't, <laughs> send it on in. I'd love checking these out. Yeah. Schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Don't forget, opt in to the newsletter on schooloflaughs.com, and I'll send you a template you can use to create your own comedy contracts. Yeah as you're booking gigs out there. And I know you guys are some of you guys are booking them big and fast. Some of you guys are just getting into this. But this little template will help you out and maybe give you a few things you haven't thought of that you need to put into your contracts. Yeah. And perhaps we should do a whole episode on contracts coming I, up. Most people aren't the business type or the, the contract type. So it, it's, it's you know, it's super, Mark super Mark that one important. down. That'll be yeah. on the horizon. And yeah, uh, once great. again... Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. We're on Stitcher now. I want to make sure people know that. Yeah, give and us some reviews and stuff. If you take a screenshot of your review, email it to me. I'll send you that free download as well. So Sweet. either way you want to do it. Podcasts come out every Friday. There's a yeah. new blog post every Tuesday at schooloflast.com. Check us out, see what's going on. And until then, for Producer Gavin, I'm Rick Roberts. We'll see you next time at the School of Last. Thank you. 
for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. For information on upcoming classes, check out schooloflaughs.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a ranking on iTunes. Send any questions or comments to schooloflaughs at gmail.com. And until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.